Well, good morning and welcome to uh, First Baptist Church here in Mason and let's uh, stand to sing together. I am weary from the waves Crashing over every day God of mercy, please come rescue me I am longing for your voice Gentle whisper in the noise Father, tell me everything's all right. Your power, your presence breaks strongholds, King of Power. 
pray please father we thank you for this morning we thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship you we pray for breakthroughs in our lives lord that the holy spirit would break through every obstacle that's in keeping us from having a close significant intimate relationship with you lord and we pray for this morning that you teach us all that you have for us to learn in your name we pray amen you may be seated well good morning let's try it one more time good morning Hey, that's good. Now, all the people on Facebook, I hope you shouted good morning at your house as well. Um, we're excited y'all are watching with us this morning, worshiping with us this morning. Um, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor here, and uh, it's a great day. We are finishing up our Last Word series. Um, we made it through Easter, had a great weekend of Easter, and we're finishing up our Last Word series today, looking at the time of, uh, between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus back into heaven, and the instructions that he gave the disciples that we can apply to our lives today. So it's going to be awesome um, to do that. I uh, want to make an announcement real quick that this af- right after the service today is our f- lunch with the pastors. And so if you are new to First Baptist Mason, we would love for you to join us um, for a free lunch where you get to meet some of the leadership of the church. And we get to know you, you get to know us, and we can tell you a little bit about our history, um, where we've been, where we're at now, and where we are headed. Um, and so it's right across the walkway um, as soon as church is over, it is a free lunch for you, and uh, we won't take all afternoon. We'll just take a little bit of your time and just get to know you. So you don't have to res- reserve. Uh, you don't have to RSVP for that today. We've got to get that under control before I get up here in a little bit. Um, uh, you don't have to RSVP. Just go over. We've got plenty of food for you to have lunch with us today. This, um, we hope you join us for that. also want to remind you that uh, Easter season, even though it was last week, we are still going to continue our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Um, we're about halfway to our goal right now. And so we're going to carry that through the month of April, and uh, that goes directly to support the North American Mission Board, which is uh, local churches, local missionaries throughout North America, uh, not just churches, but different, different mission opportunities that our North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention does help support. Our funds to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering goes straight to that, uh, to the North American Mission Board. So prayerfully consider to give. You can give uh, to our offering boxes, which are back um, on the posts as you walk out the doors, and there's one back on our sound booth as well. Or you can go online to fbmason.org, and you can give there as well. So we've got some exciting things that we're going to be unrolling over the next few weeks. Uh, so keep a watch on your, your, uh, your email. And if you're not on our email list, if you're not getting our emails in the seat in front of you, there is a card that has a QR code on it. If you would scan that, it'll take you to a form that you can fill out. That will get, our, get your information to us that we can email you. Um, all the great things that are going on, we've got some cool stuff that, that are, is in the pipeline that's coming soon, um, some great events that are coming up, and some things that will help you uh, with your Bible study, your personal Bible study, your family Bible study, some things that will help your, you find quality 
safe things for your kids to watch on TV um, and some different other things uh, in that. So be watching your emails over the next few weeks, and we will be sending those out to you. If you don't want to fill out the QR code, uh, use your app, your phone. You can go to our Welcome Center, and we have some, some cards that you can fill out, and we'll make sure we get that information in there as well so we can get you uh, on that mailing list as well. So we're going to enter into a time of worship now, and I just ask that you would join us and stand and sing along with us. in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean singing how marvelous Shall ever be how 
Tempest roars, you are with me. When creation falls, still my soul will soar on your mercy. I'll walk through the fire with my head lifted high. And my spirit revived in your story. 
Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that we can stand here in your presence, stand here and worship you freely. All because of what you achieved by defeating death. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you'd pour out your spirit now. Lord, that you'd illuminate the words of these uh, pages of scripture. And Lord, that they would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. And Lord, that the truth of your gospel would go out from this place, that our lives would be changed through your word. So Lord, give us an open spirit to receive what you have for us today. Lord, I pray against any distractions that we may have. And Lord, just give us a clear mind and a clear heart to hear what you have for us. And Lord, as our kids leave us uh, for their groups today, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to them. I pray your blessing over the teachers as they uh, teach our kids your, your word. And we ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, kids, it's time for you to leave. Go, go, Melissa. had a crazy few weeks. Um, feel like my life is just kind of going by super fast. Anybody feel that way right now? And, uh, uh, and so I've kind of felt that stirring in me this morning as well, just kind of a rushed, hurried spirit. And so before I get into the message, I just want us to, to stop and to bow our heads and to close our eyes, just have a moment of peace, just a moment of calm. Father, I just ask that you slow us down. Um, in our Life Connection group this morning, that was one of the things that we, we talked about when it comes to studying your scripture is that, that we struggle to slow down, to fully let it penetrate our hearts. We just fly through it and check it off on our to-do list, Lord. And sometimes I feel like when we come to church and that we we go through the worship and we go through the message that we're just checking that off and we're just blowing through it on our way to our next stop in life. Lord, this morning I just ask that you would just slow us down. You'd let us dive into this word that you 
have prepared for us. You let us dive into these last moments that you shared on earth before you ascended in heaven to return again in your time. That you would let us see that the words that you speak here will change the world. And Father, I ask that you would just teach us how to do that in this message this morning, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. The first two Scottish missionaries sent to the new Hybridus Islands were killed and eaten by cannibals on the day they arrived. After that, it proved difficult to find missionary volunteers. I don't blame them. But a guy named John G. Payton decided to go. A Scottish man named John G. Payton decided to go. And even when he had made that decision, there were well-meaning people in his church that tried to dissuade him. One elderly man warned him that he would be eaten by cannibals. And Peyton replied to him, I confess to you that if I, can, if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. And after 15 years of fruitful ministry, almost everyone on the island of Aniwa, where Peyton ministered, was converted. Serving God is not a guarantee of an easy life, but we're called to a life of service. And that life of service means giving up everything. Matthew 16, 24 tells us, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And that's where we find ourselves today as we have journeyed through the last words of Christ. And we, and we, spent, we spent the Easter season looking at the last, the last words of Christ in the, in the days leading up to, to him going to the cross. And then last week we looked at the moments, the few days immediately after the resurrection. And so here where we're at is 40 days have passed from the resurrection and Jesus is spending his last moments here, the last moments before he will ascend into heaven to sit until the time for his second coming arrives. What words he said there. And these interactions that he has, we see that, that in, in these interactions, the risen Christ, this resurrected Jesus transforms us into servants for him. Servants that are willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So we're going to be in John chapter 21 today. It's the last book of the gospel of, the last chapter of the gospel of John. And in this, we find Jesus spending time with a group of disciples, but specifically there's one person that we've mentioned a lot through this series that Jesus spends significant time with here. And his name is Peter. And we have seen throughout this whole journey of the last words that Peter seems to be a focal point. He gets, lots of things happen with Peter. Peter does a lot of stupid things, says a lot of things, and Jesus instructs him along the way. And so here's where we're at. This focal point, the setting is the Sea of Tiberias, and over the past 40 days, Jesus has made numerous appearances. And you can look throughout the four Gospels, and you can see a a listing of different times that he has appeared. So he has not been with them all the time during these 40 days. Kind of comes and goes. 
And so he wasn't physically with them, and he would reveal himself when he was necessary. So the setting here is the Sea of Tiberias, and there's seven disciples present. Simon Peter, (coughs) did I miss it? There we go. Good job, Justin. Thomas the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So they're hanging out on the shoreline. And Mason County allergies for the first time. And um, we're in a way better shape than we were Friday. So I, I apologize. Okay, so there's seven disciples here, and they're hanging around the shoreline, and they're kind of trying to figure out what to do, right? Because Jesus, when he appeared to them right after the resurrection, he tells them, wait. Wait until I send the power of the Lord to clothe you in in that power. Don't do anything. Don't leave the city. Now they're hanging out by the shoreline, and Peter gets kind of impatient. Because think about this, like they spent three years following Jesus and going everywhere they possibly could with Jesus. So they kind of had their needs met everywhere they went. Might, might not have been exactly the way they wanted to, but they had their needs, needs met. Well, now Jesus is gone. He's, he's randomly appearing to them, and they've got to figure out how are we going to survive? How are we going to live? How are we going to feed ourselves? And so Peter, is, as they're sitting there, Peter has ascended into this, this new type of leadership with this group, and he says, I'm going fishing. They're on the shoreline. Boats are there. Peter says, I'm going fishing. The other disciples say, I'm going to go with them. So Peter, if you remember Peter, his profession before he became a disciple was he was a professional fisherman. And so as Peter's sitting there thinking, how am I going to feed myself and all these guys that are with me and, and everybody that follows me? i got to go fishing again. That's how I'm going to, we're going we're gonna to get through this. That's how I'm going to provide we're going to go fishing. But Jesus' instructions in Luke 24, 49 was the promise of the Father will be sent upon them and stay in the city until you're clothed in the power. And so Peter jumps the gun. He says, I'm going fishing. He's not following Jesus' instructions that Jesus is going to provide for him. He says, I'm going to provide for them no matter what. I'm going to do it myself. He gets impatient. And he decides he's going to take things into his own hands. And as Peter ascends further into leadership in this this situation, he takes it and he leads them astray. Look at John 21, 3 through 5. Simon Peter says to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Peter takes them fishing before he should have taken them fishing. And what is the result? They caught absolutely nothing. And the point that I get out of this when I read this is that that man, when you follow man can lead you to bad fishing. I don't know if you've ever paid for a guide to take you fishing. It's a really bad experience when you pay that guide and you don't catch anything. Men can lead you astray. They lead you to bad fishing. 
Peter got impatient and he took his own initiative in his own time. And not only did this, this cause him to get off track, Peter got off track, but so did the other disciples. They rushed things. They weren't following the instructions that Jesus had given them. And so, so Peter, in his own impatience, which I struggle with patience. Walmart is God's gift to me in learning how to be patient. <laughs> Peter got impatient and he jumped the gun. Led himself and these men astray. Thinking he's going to provide for them by catching all this fish because he's a professional fisherman. He knows what he's doing and then he catches nothing. But once again, as so often in Jesus' life and Jesus' relationship with Peter, Jesus takes this moment and turns it into a teachable moment for Peter. Look what happens. In John 21, 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. See, Jesus brings the greatest fish stories. Jesus brings the greatest fish stories. And, and, and when I say fish stories, remember that when Peter was called to be a disciple, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I wasn't going to make you a fisher of fish. You're not going to be a fisher of men. You are going to go evangelize. And for me, when you hear a salvation story, one of the coolest things is that's a fish story to me. When you hear the story of someone coming to know Christ, that's somebody else's fish story. And when you look at the the key element in people's stories of salvation, what you find is there's always someone who is obedient to doing what Jesus called them to do. Because obedience leads to great fishing. When we obey the commands, when you go fishing, I've never had the privilege of fully going deep sea fishing. Never had that privilege. But several years ago, we were um, on a mission trip in Canada, and we decided we were going to pay somebody to take us to, on a seal and whale-watching um, excursion. So we all loaded up on this boat, and we went like seven, eight miles off the coast, and there's supposed to be seals and whales everywhere. Guess what? We paid a guide to take us to see seals and whales, and we didn't see any. And he said, you know what, let's just go fishing. And so um, I said, okay, I fished some in my lifetime. What are we going to use for bait? We're not going to use bait. What are you talking about? You have to use bait to go fishing, right? You have to use bait to go fishing. He said, no, we're just going to use a hook. I was like, no, that's not going to, ha- that's not going to happen. He said, all right, I, this is what I'm going to tell you. Everybody put their hooks in the water. Drop it down in the water. And when I tell you, I want you all to go like this. And we'll see what happens. And I kid you not, I caught a fish. <laughs> because he knew using his technology and everything, he knew where the fish were. And he took us and said, just cast it out and you're going you're gonna to catch it. And we trusted him and he was right. In fact, he had, he had taken a little pool and was like, whoever, whoever catches the first fish gets, you know, $10 or whatever. And so everybody was wanting to catch and all this stuff. And, 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 and that's my greatest fish story when it comes to fishing, was I caught a fish in the ocean with no hook. I mean, with no bait. I just used a hook. But I have some really great salvation stories in my life as well of being able to go and and share the gospel with people because God told me to share the gospel with them. And when I shared the gospel with them, they they encountered Christ for the first time in their life and they were able to to experience the life-saving power. 
Because obedience leads to great fishing. I said that in John 21, 6. He tells them to cast the net on the right side of the boat. And when they did, and he says, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. This story sounds very familiar. Because this story also happened early on. There's two different events that happen. Jesus asked them if they had caught anything, and they said no. And at this point, if you read in it, they don't realize that that's Jesus standing on the shoreline. They don't recognize him yet. But something about him tells them to cast their nets, about him telling them that, that they decide they're going to trust, and they're, motiv- they're motivated to, to obey. I think there's a couple things that could have caused that. And I said that this story kind of happened before. Well, if you think back when Jesus first called Peter to be his disciple in Luke chapter 5, we see something very similar. These fishermen out, they've gone out at night, spent all night fishing, and haven't caught a single thing. Happens at the beginning of Peter's career as a disciple and is now happening here. They go out and they're not catching anything. Jesus instructed Peter where to fish, and the haul was incredible. In fact, in Luke chapter 5, it says the haul was so much that they did not count the fish, and their nets began to break. In John chapter 21, he tells them where to cast their nets. They cast their nets, and their haul is so great that they start to pull it in. But the difference is is that they are able to number the, the fish, there's 153, and the nets aren't breaking here. And, and a lot of people think that this has to do with, with the church today and the, and the future church. And right now, when we cast our nets to go fishing for men, that, that the nets will break. And many people will come to know Christ, but we don't fully know who really came to know Christ. Because it's easy for somebody to say, yeah, I'll make that decision, and they don't really mean it. But, but when Jesus returns and, and, the, and the church is, is fulfilled, then, then we'll be able to number everyone exactly. And our nets won't be breaking anymore because, because they will be made whole. And so, so here in Luke chapter 5 and John chapter 21, Peter's hearing similar instructions. The disciples are hearing similar things to what they'd already experienced. And when someone tells you to cast your nets and it works... And you hear that again, you're probably going to do it. The other thing I think to do, I, I like to think of, is, is if we think back to last week when we were on the road to, the, to Emmaus with the two disciples that Jesus was walking with. And they didn't know it was Jesus right at the very beginning. But, but as they continued to talk with him and then they went and had dinner with him, he revealed them, himself to them and let them know that he was Jesus. And afterwards, remember, they made a statement that they said, do you remember how our hearts burned when he spoke to us? I like to think that as Jesus is speaking to the disciples here, saying, cast your nets on the right side and your nets will be full, that something inside of them stirred up and said, we have to obey this guy, even though we don't know it's Jesus. But nevertheless, they obey. And this is where we learn that by obeying Jesus' commands, our nets will be full. And I want to be real careful that we don't twist this, that we don't, we don't take this out of out of the correct meaning. This isn't saying that if we follow Jesus in, by obedience, we're going to get everything we want. What it is saying is that when we follow Jesus and we obey him, 
we are filled with abundance of his goodness, filled with abundance of his grace, and we're filled with the abundance of fruits that come with him, that come with following him. Our lives are better because we are being obedient. Our nets are full because we're being obedient to what Jesus wants us to do. And the disciples here are experiencing this firsthand. They're experiencing what it means to have their nets full. There's a lot of imagery here. They're in the darkness of night, not catching anything. They're not walking in the light. It's dark. It's pitch dark. If you've ever been on a cruise at night and you've walked out onto the, to the deck and looked out over the ocean, it's dark. It's scary. So they're out fishing at night, and they're not catching anything. Much like when we walk in the darkness, we don't catch anything. They're not catching a single fish. They weren't obedient. They jumped the gun. They were impatient. But it says here, as daylight was coming, Jesus was standing on the shoreline. Jesus brings the light. And daylight, the, the daylight was coming. They weren't out of the darkness yet, but as he, they began to obey They began to listen to his commands, do the things that he was telling him to do. They came out of the darkness, and they started to experience his redemption. And Peter realizes this. John proclaims that it is the Lord. Peter realizes it's the Lord. And once again, what we find, as we've seen with Peter all throughout this series, Peter is all in for Jesus. Peter is once again all in for Jesus. Because if you look at the scripture here in verses 7 and 8, John 21, 7 and 8, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. So that, the, to, to clarify that, when it says the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. He jumps out of the boat and starts swimming. Jesus is on the coast and he jumps out of the boat and starts swimming. The other disciples... Um, came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. Peter, once again, impulse reacts and jumps into the water to get to Jesus as quick as he can. He's all in for Jesus. He doesn't wait. His love for Jesus supersedes any other rational thought. And I just pictured this because I watched a movie a few weeks ago, and there's a scene, it's a, it's a movie about an international singing competition and, and, and the, the actor, um, the lead character, he thought that they were disqualified from the competition. And so he went back to his homeland, Iceland, and he's, he's on a boat with his dad because they were fishermen, commercial fishermen. And I just, just picture this, the Gordon's fishermen, the fish stick fishermen in his, red, in his yellow rain, you know, rain gear on a fishing boat in the middle of ice, the, the sea outside of Iceland. And, and they're talking, and they're having this father-son moment, and one of the other guys on the boat's like, why are you here? He's like, because I got kicked out. I got disqualified. He said, no, you're still in the finals. And so he realizes that he's still in the competition, and so he just jumps over the rail into the cold water and swims to get back to the competition. Peter jumps over the rail to get to Jesus because he's all in. He's all in for Jesus. He gets there. The, the, other, the other disciples bring the boat, and Jesus cooks them breakfast. And there's a, there's a little small, s- small thing with Jesus cooking them breakfast here. 
Because Jesus is about to give Peter some very strict, could be considered harsh instructions, but he feeds him first. He blesses him. Jesus will bless us even in the hard times. He cooks some breakfast and he begins to talk to Peter. And this is a very, very important conversation that takes place. Because last week, remember there was one little verse in, in our sermon last week that, that said he'd already appeared himself to Peter. And that's all we know about that interaction. It doesn't say what the conversation was about. It doesn't say anything. But Peter had already seen the risen Christ. That was Jesus bringing Peter back into fellowship with him. Peter had denied Jesus three times, just as Jesus had predicted. He denied him three times and had caused a separation between them. Much like when we sin, our sin causes a separation between us and God. And that that appearing, that, that revealing of himself to Peter has brought him back into fellowship. But this conversation that takes place takes it a step further. He's now restoring Peter to ministry. Because of Peter's sin, he now felt like he was no longer qualified to do the things that God had called him to do. When Jesus first called Peter, he called him to be a fisher of men. But here in this conversation, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just catch fish. I want you to love like a shepherd. He's elevating Peter's call on his life. Look at John 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. I interpret grieved here to be frustrated. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So he asked him the question, do you love me three times? And three times Peter says, yes. Well, three is a magic number here, right? Because Peter denied him three times. Well, now he's restoring him three times. But after every time Peter says, yes, you know I love you, Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. He's elevating him to a higher calling. Peter is no longer just an evangelist. He's no longer just to share the gospel with people and move on. Peter is now to become a pastor. Peter is now to take the mantle of a pastor, which means to shepherd. And we are all called to share the gospel with those we come in contact with. We're all called to share the gospel. But God sets apart certain people to shepherd the flock. And those people that he sets apart to shepherd the flock, we call them pastors. And I, as, as I was thinking about this, I remember, and it took me a long time to fully come to the realization that this was the moment that God had called me to become a pastor. Not just a, a youth minister or a student pastor, or whatever, a pastor. And it happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, several years ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago. I was at a, uh, it was called, a concert called Winter Jam. You might know what Winter Jam is, but it's a whole bunch of different uh, Christian bands that come together, and then there's an evangelist that speaks. And there was a uh, Mercy Me, the band Mercy Me was there singing. 
and there was like 10,000 people in this arena, and they started to sing their song, I Can Only Imagine. And as Mercy Me is singing the song, I Can Only Imagine, I just, look, I, I just looked around the crowd. I just, I, my spirit was just very, very um, disturbed in that moment. And I looked around, and, and people had been kind of singing along. And it was supposed to be a night of worship, but they were kind of singing along. And then all of a sudden, I Can Only Imagine comes along. And everybody knows the song because it's on the radio. And they're singing, and they're raising their hands and, and worshiping and all this stuff. And, and in my mind, I'm like, this can't be real. Are they worshiping God or are they worshiping the song? Are they worshiping God or are they worshiping the moment? And I just sat down with this, just this, this unsettledness inside of me, and I just started praying. And, and I've never truly, I don't want to say never, but there's very few times in my life that I felt like God was audibly speaking to me. And it was in that moment like, he didn't come out and be like, feed my sheep. But in that moment, I heard him tell me, feed my sheep. And as I looked around that room and I saw these people that were so, in my mind, misguided in what they were worshiping in that moment, God was saying, feed my sheep. He was putting a calling on my life in that moment that I just now recently have connected that moment to where I am today. And I've never had something like that happen in my life before or since where it's been so clear, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And that's what Jesus is doing here to Peter. He's saying, if you really love me, I'm putting a calling on other people's lives that is different. But the calling I'm putting on your life is to feed my sheep, be the shepherd, take care of them. And he continues with a command for all of us. And he says, follow me. John 21, 19 says, then he said, to sh- he, he said this, I'm going to go back to verse 18. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus tells Peter, you are going to die in a similar fashion to the way I died. You're going to die in a similar fashion to the way I went to the cross. And he tells Peter this. And Peter has just watched everything that Jesus said was going to happen, happen. And so Jesus lays this out to Peter and then says, follow me. And at this moment, Peter has been in all, all in all the time. He's jumped out of boats to get to Jesus. He's raced around. He's cut people's ears off to protect Jesus. He has been all in. But now it's getting real. Because Jesus had predicted everything that he was going to go through, and Peter watched him go through it. He knew what Jesus had just suffered. So don't you think that Peter's heart just started to beat a little bit faster in that moment? His nerves started to fray a little bit, and the anxiety started to set in. Peter's like, man, this is getting real. 
And so, kind of like, I think I would be this way as Peter is. He's walking, he's trying to process. He looks over his shoulder and John's walking behind him. And he's like, well, what about him? If I got to go through this, what's he going to have to go through? Verse 21 through 23, Peter saw him. He said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Because even when Peter has been all in for Jesus, Jesus just dropped this bombshell on Peter. You're going to go to a cross. Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks back, says, what about him? Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. What takes your eyes off of Jesus? Because when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we lose sight of what it means to be obedient. In all this that's been going on, Jesus has just done an amazing thing for Peter. He's brought the fellowship back to him. He's restored him. He has made him clean. And Peter still can't take his, keep his eyes on him. And we as followers of Christ, when that happens to us, it's easy for us to get distracted. It might be a life circumstance. It might be your job. It might be your marriage. It might be your finances. It might be a health issue. It might just be life. One of the things I've struggled with for a long time with me is sports. Sports helps me take my eyes off of Jesus all the time. And I have to be very, very careful about that. Jesus is saying, what is it to you? What happens to other people? Follow me. Each and every one of us in this room has a different and distinct calling on our life. And we must keep our eyes focused on Jesus to fulfill that calling so that our nets are full. Because when we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we transition from John chapter 21 into Acts chapter 1, this is the last point that we have today, we see this last interaction, we see the true fulfillment of what Jesus has in store. Jesus is meeting with the disciples again, and they have, they have one last question for him. Acts chapter 1 says, Lord, is now the time that you are going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They'd seen so much, and they'd learned so much, and they wanted to know now, is this the time that you are going to fulfill your plan? That you're going to, to take care of it all? Are you going to bring redemption and restoration to the kingdom of Israel? They were ready. They'd seen it all. They fully trusted Jesus now. Everything that he said was going to happen had come true. And they fully were invested in him and trusted him. And now they were ready for it to happen. But God wasn't ready for that. God was ready for something else. And God was ready to unleash the power of the gospel to the nations, and he was going to use these disciples to do it. They didn't know. Jesus had told them, stay in the city until the power closes you. They didn't know what that meant. But God was about to give them the power to change the world. 
Acts 1, verse 6 through 9. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to you, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And this right here, when someone tells you that the world is about to end, this is the verse you need to remember. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but it is for you to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. All you need to worry about is that we're going to give you the power to do what we want you to do. And we are commanded to do the same thing. If you look at Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew says this and Acts says this, that he's going to give us the power to change the world. And those are the last recorded words of Jesus on earth. Because then he lifted up into the heavens to return again someday to bring about that restoration and that redemption and that new earth. And it's a message that we put all of our hope in if we believe in Jesus. And it's a message that he has commanded us to take to the world to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. And each one of us has a Jerusalem, a Judea, a Samaria, and the end of the world. And for some of us, that might mean we end up going across the world to do that. But for others of us, that means the people that sit across the table with us at night for dinner or the people that we share a desk with at work or the people we just come in contact with through our daily operations. God has given us a command to share this message. And we need to do it. But in order to do that, in order to share the word, make disciples and change the world, we have to have a relationship with Jesus. So this whole series has been about how Jesus shared words with us in the end that changes lives. And in that, we see fallen man an innocent man taking those sins to the cross defeating it in death so that we might have life when we see him resurrected and carry that message to the world so we're going to have a time of response here in just a minute the band's going to come up and if God's working on you and this is a message that you have heard clearly for the first time because one of the things God's revealing to me um, throughout this series is that He's going to reveal things to us at all times in our life, different points in times in our life. And some of you have heard this message your whole life, and it's never fully been open to you, or you've never been fully listening to it, that Jesus died on the cross for you, and he rose again for you so that you might have eternal life. And so if that's you, if God's calling you in that, I'm going to be down front. You can come pray with me, and I can help, help you discover that um, and if that's if that's uncomfortable I'm going to be at the back at the end of the service I'd love to talk with you about that as well 
If you feel like this is where you need to make your church home, this is an opportunity to do that as well. We'd love for you to be part of our faith family. Um, We can talk through that. We can share that with you. Um, But we're also going to just stand up and we are going to sing and celebrate what it means to turn our eyes to Jesus. Because when we take our eyes off of him, that's when we fall away, we get into disobedience, and we get empty nets. But when our eyes are focused on him fully and we seek him, our nets are full. Father, fill our nets with your goodness and with your grace and with the fruits that come with following you. I pray for those in this room that you would move in our hearts, those that are already believers in you, Lord, those that are part of your family, that you would move us to share that word, that good news with everyone around us. That would be our takeaway, Lord. That would be our action item that we would go and we would find somebody today to share the gospel with. And Lord, if there's somebody in this room that that is hearing the gospel clearly for the first time, Lord, I just pray that you would call them to you and they would reach out with open arms and say, I'm here, Lord. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for what you've done and what you've taught us through this series. We love you for your grace. It's your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory Jesus, 
Like I said, it's the end of our series of last words, but next week we start a new series that's going to build upon what we just learned called Bold. And how can we live our lives in a bold way for Christ so that people can see Jesus in all of us? Take a look at this uh, intro. can we be bold in our prayers, be bold in our obedience, be bold in our words and our actions and many other things. Um, I'm excited about it. It's going to be awesome. It's uh, all about the early church in Acts and how they lived lives of boldness and how we can live that as well. So go this week, share the gospel with those around you. You are dismissed. just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Jesus, you don't 
Holy moly. 